Well, hello again. Welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. And if this is your first time coming here, welcome to the Straight A Nursing family, or what I call the San Fam. I am so happy that you're here today, and we're going to be diving into episode 196, which is all about 10 tips for new nursing students. So before we do that, I want to do two quick things. I want you to follow or subscribe to this podcast so that you always get the latest episode just automatically appearing like magic on your mobile device. And then I always start out with a listener shout out to my San fam. And this one goes to Julia. And Julia says, I just want to say a big thanks for creating such an amazing resource and study option. I am in my second semester of nursing school. I use study sesh all the time and definitely see the improvements in how quickly I can memorize the material. Every time I drive or do something around the house, I listen to different episodes or lessons, and it helps a lot. So again, thank you very much for helping nursing students to succeed. So thank you so much, Julia, for writing in and sharing your experience with the podcast and with Study Sesh. So what Julia is talking about is my other podcast. It's a premium podcast, and it is audio learning to the max. We do pod quizzes. We do drills. We do power hours. We do case studies. We do all kinds of cool things so that you can get free from your desk, go on about your life but still be learning, studying, and reviewing. So I'll put a link to that in the episode notes. And now it's time to dive into the 10 tips for new nursing students. So students ask all the time, looking for tips on how to be successful in nursing school. I have a Facebook group called Thriving Nursing Students. So come join us there if you haven't yet. And this gets asked all the time. And I definitely have a lot of episodes that cover all kinds of things for new nursing students. I wanted to share the top 10 here with you all in one spot, okay? Are you ready? Now, don't feel like you have to take notes because I also have this as an article on my website. So we'll link to that in the episode notes also so that you can just grab that when you really want to go back and review. But if you're out walking around or driving, please do not stop to take notes. Okay, so tip number one, and this one is huge because nursing school is really busy and things change a lot. So in my nursing school prep course, which is Crucial Concepts Bootcamp, you've probably heard me talking about that, I teach students to start out at the beginning of the semester by making this big master list. But we're not going to plan out our whole semester We're really only going to tackle our planning, like with our planner or with our digital calendar, one week at a time. So if you haven't started school yet, or maybe you have already and you know this to be 100% true, things change in nursing school. They can change a lot. You could have assignments getting altered or shifted around, due dates getting moved, hopefully getting moved back and not getting moved up. Clinical days, maybe they have to get switcherooed with simulation days for various reasons. Labs may get moved around and it can be a bit of a planning nightmare. So 
as you do your weekly planning, which is what I advise students to do, so every Sunday night or, you know, whatever day is the day before your actual week begins, take 30 minutes, take 40 minutes to actually look and see everything that you've got coming up that week and plan out for just those seven days. Because honestly, if you go farther out than that, you're going to be spending a lot of time and energy erasing and moving and scratching out and whiting out and covering up and making your planner, first of all, look really messy if you use a paper one like I do. If you use a digital planner, it's not as big of a deal, but you still really you don't want to be looking too far ahead. Now, there is one caveat to this. You will have some bigger projects that do span multiple weeks, and you definitely want to have those kind of in your planning radar few weeks out because you definitely don't want to be cramming for them, maybe cramming for an exam or writing a paper at the last minute, okay? So block out time over, you know, two or three weeks to work on those big projects, those are less likely to move around as that day-to-day stuff like tasks, assignments, where the lab is located, what time the lab starts, quizzes, meetings, clinical, and all of that. So for those things, those weekly things, do them like that Sunday evening before your school week starts. So if you've never used a planner And you got through your prereqs by the grace of God and, you know, a a list, then you might want to use a planner. Even a digital online calendar works great too for nursing school. So I have a post I will link to in the show notes that gives you kind of a step-by-step on managing your time in nursing school so that you can get everything done because you are very busy and you'll have a lot to do. Okay, so that is tip number one planning things out one week at a time, okay? Now, tip number two, and I'm, I'm probably going to say this is a big one because honestly, these are my top 10. So they're all big ones. They're all important. This one I would say is a game changer for students, but it does not get done nearly, nearly enough. And that's because it is a time investment, And of course, students always feel like they're short on time. Time is the thing that's always in short supply. So what we're talking about here is rewriting your notes that you take in class or in an online module into your own words. And yes, it does take time. But when we talk about time in nursing school and the amount of time that something takes, I really want you to think of time as your most precious commodity. And just like you've got money in a savings account, let's say you've got $24 in a savings account, right, to represent 24 hours in a day, how much of that time are you going to spend on a certain project really depends a lot on is it an investment. So there are some things that you spend your time on, your savings account time on that don't get you anything in return, right? And that's fine. Sometimes that's totally fine. Sometimes you just need to take a break to take a break. Um, For me, one of those things is social media. Like I can so easily get sucked into Instagram because 
I love all the ads, to be honest, and I find all these cool products and recipes and things that I want to try. But before I know it, half an hour has gone by and I'm thinking, wow, I didn't really get anything out of that except stuff that I want to go buy that I probably don't need. That is time spent. Time invested is completely different. And rewriting your notes into your own words, even though it does take a fair amount of time, is a time investment because you're going to reap the rewards of that later. So I have heard so many students say, I I would do this, I would rewrite my notes, but I do not have time to do that. I need to be studying. Well, guess what, you guys? Rewriting your notes is probably one of the most valuable studying methods that you can use. So when you rewrite the notes that you took in class that you jotted down in a hurry because the instructor was talking fast, some really magical things happen inside your brain. So first of all, you're repeating what you learned in class, right? So as you repeat, as you review your notes from class, you're getting repeat exposure to the content. And honestly, students do go back and review their notes. They don't necessarily rewrite them, but they do review them. And this is where a lot of students stop because they review the notes that they jotted down in class. And by review, I mean they look at them again. Another magical thing that happens in your brain is that you start processing and assimilating the information. You're making it your own. So look at it this way. In order to explain something simply in clear, concise language, you have to have a very solid grasp of that concept. And while it may be challenging for you to write out the concepts as you are going through your notes, by doing this, you're figuring out how to explain it simply. You're getting a solid grasp of the concept. And when you can do this, you know it. You like know it, know it, right? So I come across this all the time. I teach you a ton of things on my podcast and on my website and elsewhere, my courses and whatnot. And people say the same thing over and over and over again. Nurse Mo explains things so simply. She explains things more clearly than even my professors do. That's where the magic happens. By getting to that point where you can explain a concept very simply and well, then you really, really know it. And it's not easy. You guys, I work really hard on putting these things together because I want to get it to the point where I can explain it to you in a simple manner because then it's easier for you to understand. But I got to do my homework. I go in there and I spend hours and hours on every single episode and I try to make so that I understand it deeply so that I can share it with you. So as you're rewriting these concepts that you learn in class, think about explaining them to your future self who in two weeks really won't remember that much, maybe, but you're going to remember it because you're going to be able to explain it very well. So think about explaining it to your best friend, which is you, okay? So another magical thing that happens in your brain is that you are owning the information. So when you go back to review these amazing notes that you wrote, that information is going to be so much more familiar to you. And the reason for this is because it's in your own language, your own words, your own way of explaining things. It is absolutely 100% you, okay? 
Another magical thing that happens is that you are relegating information to long-term memory by doing this. So rewriting your notes, especially if you handwrite them, but for me, that was, I could not cross that bridge, okay, you guys? I write kind of messy, especially when I'm in a hurry, and there was no way I was going to rewrite pages and pages of notes by handwriting. Some people do, and it works great for them. It will still work if you're typing them, but if you're handwriting them, you get bonus extra long-term memory relegation. But rewriting your notes is going to help move that information into your long-term memory, okay? So typing them out is fine. It will still work. Handwriting would be better, but I mean, it would take a really long time in your hand. I mean, can you imagine the cramp that you would get? It would be, it would be a little bit much. So it's okay to type things out. The next magical thing that happens when you rewrite your notes is you fill in gaps. As you go through your notes from class, there's a good chance you're going to find that there are gaps in your knowledge. This is the perfect time while it's still kind of fresh, like that lecture is still kind of fresh. It's the perfect time to get out your textbook or find um, an online video or something, one of my podcasts, what have you, that fills in the gaps. And if you do that before too much time goes by, you'll really, it's like putting mortar on those gaps, right? You really make a really solid structure of this knowledge in your brain. And then one more magical thing that happens in your brain when you rewrite your notes is you connect the dots. Okay, so think about PowerPoint slides, right? They are most likely just a title at the top with some bullet points. And there's no indication of how each item relates to the other item. It could be just a list of things. And unless you jotted down notes for how all those things related to one another, then it's hard to go back and look at it after the fact and make sense of it. So while it will take time, it could take a couple of hours to rewrite your notes after lecture and do a really thorough job filling in all the gaps because you will be looking things up as you go. It is a fantastic, fantastic way to study an excellent use of your time and a very good time investment, okay? So I want you guys to consider rewriting your notes. Okay, tip number three for the nursing student is do those NCLEX practice questions regularly. So most, if not all, of your nursing school exams are going to be written in NCLEX exam format. And one of the very best things you can do as that new student is get used to that format. Start doing those NCLEX practice questions from day one of nursing school. You want to be really used to them before they come up on your first exam because they can really throw students for a loop. Trust me on this one, okay? And as you learn about a topic in class, go through the NCLEX sample questions related to that specific topic. And as you do this, you're going to come across little tidbits of information, things that you learn along the way as you are reading the rationales for all the answers. Don't just read the rationale for the correct answer. I want you to read why all the incorrect answers are wrong as well. You'll pick up all kinds of little tidbits. Keep a little notebook of those, a little Google document, what have you, and review that information regularly. It's a great way to study a little bit extra, kind of get a little bonus studying on top of your NCLEX practice questions. 
Okay, let's move on to tip number four, and that is to be very quick to identify things that waste your time. So there are going to be a lot of things that are competing for your time and your attention in nursing school. And I want you to be very aware of those things because they can really be sneaky. They can sneak right in. And before you know it, they're siphoning off money from that time savings account, right? And it's not always something super obvious. Like I was saying earlier, for me, Instagram, I know I get, I'd waste a lot of time there. It's not always something super obvious like that. There could be some other things that are wasting your time. So for example, are you spending a lot of time on assignments or quizzes that should actually be pretty routine? So a great example of this is if it's taking you like three hours to write a discussion board post and reply to people, you know, you'll have to make a post and then reply to a couple of different people or what have you. Your school will have different criteria around that. But if it's taking you hours to do that, and this is a routine thing that you do every single week, it's pretty likely that this particular assignment is wasting your time because you're kind of overdoing it. Can you streamline the process so that it takes one hour instead of three hours, okay? The same goes for routine quizzes. If they aren't timed quizzes and you're spending more than about two minutes per question, it's very possible that you're wasting your time overthinking each and every question. So pay attention to routine assignments, things like that, and how much time they're taking you. Look at that against the amount of effort that you're putting into the assignment. Like I always want you guys to do your best, but look at the rubric. As long as you are doing the assignment, like writing the post or completing the case study, and you're meeting the requirements in the rubric that is provided by your instructor, you're going to get the points. If you're going beyond that, you're wasting your time, okay? And then the other thing are study groups. How are study groups a waste of time? Well, If your study group is not highly focused and not highly goal-oriented with each and every session, very, very good chance it's wasting your time. I do have a post on effective study groups and and a podcast episode that goes with that as well. So I will put a link to that in the show notes. If you're interested in having a study group, but you are afraid that it's going to be a gossip hour or social hour and just waste your time, I've got some tips for how to make sure that it's productive. Another thing that can be a time waster is spending time looking for things like looking for assignment instructions, looking for digital files, looking for paperwork. If you are spending time looking for things, tracking things down, then you really should spend a little bit of time, so this would be a time investment, setting up organizational systems for nursing school. I do teach students how to do this in Crucial Concepts Boot Camp. So if you're in Boot Camp, you want to review that module, okay? So a little reminder there for my boot campers. And if it is at all possible... You could try devoting one hour this week, okay? So this is like my challenge to you. Spend one hour this week getting your paperwork, getting your digital files into some kind of order so that you can reduce this repeated searching and wasted time over the rest of the semester. And when you're on your next break, maybe your summer break, your winter break, 
take a look at that organizational mess (laughs) that you might have digitally or your paperwork and adopt and put into practice a method that works for you. So whatever method you use, the goal would be to have a system that enables you to A, always know where to store things so that you're not having to make decisions every time you save a document or want to save a piece of paper. There's no decision. You have a system in place. So the system will help you always know where to store things and B, always know where to go looking for something when you need it. This is another one of those key strategies that's going to pay you back over and over again. So this would be a time investment. I can say with certainty today that becoming a nurse was one of the smartest decisions I ever made. It's allowed me to make a difference in people's lives, both patients and students, and given me a career that fulfills me in so many ways. But feeling certain wasn't always the case. I remember getting ready to graduate from nursing school and feeling a lack of confidence about bridging that gap from student to new nurse. Today, there's the Nurse Residency Program with HCA Healthcare. It's designed to help newly graduating nursing students succeed. You'll build your confidence with hands-on clinical experience while developing your critical thinking skills. You'll be supported by a community of experienced nurses and fellow nurse residents and build a foundation for your career at any of HCA Healthcare's 184 hospitals across 19 states. And becoming a nurse resident with HCA Healthcare comes with other great benefits like tuition reimbursement, student loan assistance, clear career pathways to help you achieve your professional goals, and access to company-wide clinical education programs. Now, I know many of you graduating now feel uncertain about the support you'll receive as a new grad, and if I could give you one piece of advice, I'd say definitely apply to the nurse residency program at HCA Healthcare. They accept applications from nursing students who are preparing to graduate within the next six months or graduate nursing students who have six months or less of experience when they apply. Learn more today at careers.hcahealthcare.com slash residency. Again, that's careers.hcahealthcare.com slash residency. HCA Healthcare, an equal opportunity employer. Okay, now let's move on to tip number five. A good day starts the night before. So every night before you close your laptop or step away from your desk, take a few moments to take a look ahead. I want you to take just a little bit of time to do a little prep for the next day. Every time I skip this small step, I inevitably have a more stressful morning or forget something that I was supposed to do early in the morning, like an appointment or a task that is timed, something like that. So I've learned the hard way. Don't go to bed without checking my planner the night before. So if you have followed my advice from that first tip, where you're only planning your life out about a week out in advance, then you've probably already got all those important events and to-do items in your planning system. So pay special attention to things that are 
on your schedule for tomorrow, especially again early in the day. Things that you might miss if you were to sleep in accidentally or get distracted. You could also do something simple like get your breakfast together. Tons of students make like overnight oats and have that ready to go for in the morning or egg bites or things like that. Get your lunch together. Doing just these two very small things is going to make a big impact on how smoothly your next day, especially your next morning runs, and then you're less likely to reach for convenience foods or something that's not such a great choice. You can also set out the clothing or whatever uniform you need for the next day. Pack your school bag. Pack your clinical bag with all the supplies that you need. And I'm going to talk more about supplies in tip number eight. And if you do plan to exercise in the morning, first of all, go you. Set out your workout clothing and any necessary gear so it's easy to just grab and go. Like if you're planning to listen to a podcast while you're out for a run or a walk, cue it up the night before, be ready to go. Have your clothes, your shoes, your socks, your coat, your hat, your pedometer, your water bottle, everything all set up. So that is tip number five. A good day starts the night before. Now, tip number six is all about that actual morning, and it is develop a morning routine. So along the same lines as kind of having that night before, evening before routine where you set yourself up for a great day the next day, Your morning routine is really vital to having an intentional and stress-free start to your day. So I kind of advise students to have two different morning routines. One would be for those days when you have a little more time and one for those days when you've got an early class or, of course, clinical. So for example, for a regular day, my standard routine looks like... First, I get water together, and I try to drink 24 ounces kind of while I'm doing all the other components of my routine. And by saying get water together, I put some extra things in it, okay? I put in some greens powder and some electrolytes powder. Of course, I'm going to feed Mr. Oliver, or he will not stop meowing, and then do some kind of exercise. Sometimes it's the Peloton. I've been getting back into riding my Peloton now that my knee is doing much better. Other times, maybe it's a walk or an on-demand class like Pilates or yoga or a bar class. I do all those with the Peloton app. I get my coffee brewing, shower, beautify, and get dressed, okay? Try not to stay in my pajamas all day. Now, on the days that I have maybe a really early appointment or something that I have to do where I have to be up and at them and don't quite have the time to do this, yes, I could get up extra early, but I really like to get up at the same time every day. So I will put off the exercise part and do that either later in the day or just on another day. So I have kind of an expedited routine and then that standard routine. And when I don't follow my morning routine, I definitely feel less focused, kind of like something is missing. I do talk about morning routines in a lot more depth, and I will link to that episode in the show notes. Okay, tip number seven for that new nursing student is don't let anxiety run the show. 
So do you ever get that feeling where you kind of physically don't know what to do with your body or your mind is jumping from one thought to the next? Like this will happen to me when I'm especially busy, when I've got a lot going on, my to-do list is piling up, maybe I've got a big deadline approaching or multiple deadlines approaching, and I find that my body parts don't know what to do. I pace around, I set things down, I pick them up, I set them down. I'm just like, I'm in a conundrum, right? I'm all kerfuffled. My mind is jumping around and it feels horrible. I feel like I'm never gonna get anything done. I'm just kind of spinning, right? There's a really good chance that you felt this way at some time before as well. And it can definitely, definitely happen in nursing school. And it does, it feels really horrible. And since your brain doesn't seem to want to focus on any one thing, it can feel hopeless because you're like, well, if I don't settle down and do something, I'm really not going to get anything done. So how in the world do you do that if you feel like you're just spinning and spinning? So the first thing I want you to do when this happens, and again, if it hasn't happened to you before, chances are it could at some point, is to recognize what is occurring before it gets really out of control recognize what is occurring and know that you are not hopeless, you are not helpless or flailing. What's probably going on is your brain is moving a lot faster than the rest of you and your brain got way, way, way ahead of yourself. Now, if you do have an anxiety disorder, I want you to continue using the effective coping mechanisms that you have been using and succeeding with so far, okay? I'm talking about periodic anxiety and stress because of a situation that's occurring. So my best tip for you when this occurs is to do three things, okay? I want you to stop, breathe, and regroup. So first, we are going to stop. You have to put a cease and assist on all of those swirling thoughts that are going through your head. They are taking up really valuable mental energy. And you, honestly, you've got better things to do, right? Second, we are going to breathe. Seriously. Once you've stopped your mind from jumping from thought to thought and all over the place, you're going to take 10 slow, deep breaths. Now that sounds so easy, right? And it really is just breathe in and out. And if you start thinking, why am I sitting here taking these really slow breaths when I have so much to do, then you need to start over 10 deep breaths, okay, in and out. And then the third part is to regroup. And the best way to regroup is to get a clear view of what actually needs to be done. And what works for me and a lot of other students is a list. Start by making a list, just a brain dump of all the things you need to do. So if you're in boot camp or you've read my book, Nursing School Thrive Guide, you've hopefully already done this. You hopefully already have that master schedule, master to-do list for the whole semester. But there may be other things piling up on top of that. You may have things going on with your personal life that require a lot of attention. So you have to add that into your 
big list of everything that needs to get done. And I'm not saying everything that needs to get done for the whole rest of the semester. If you're in this regrouping because you've been spinning, look at what needs to get done in the next few days or even just the next day. Because usually when you're in this kind of spinning feeling where you feel really out of control, it's because of a short term, just a whole bunch of stuff is piling up all at once, right? So get out your calendar, go to your Google calendar, your planner, whatever it is, and start blocking out time to do each and everything on your list. Now, you'll start with those high priority items. So get those in there and then work your way down to the things that maybe are more routine or don't actually have a specific due date. So that is how I regroup. I just start saying, okay, I've got to do this task. I'm going to do it from two to three on this day. That's when I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to do this other thing and this other thing. And when you block out your time and you assign a time slot to all those really important things on your list that have been swirling around in your brain, you see that, okay, yes, if I stick to this plan, I actually will get everything done. It's all about prioritizing. And again, I do talk about that in that episode about planning, and I will link to that. And then you get back to work. It really, truly can be that simple. Moving on to tip number eight for that new nursing student is to stock your backpack or your school bag for max efficiency, okay? So having the things you need with you while you're at school or studying at the library or meeting with your study group is going to make you more efficient and help you get more done. So instead of thinking of your backpack or your school bag as just a bag, I want you to think of it as a little mobile office. So what should you carry in this little mobile office? So Think about the types of tasks and things that you do when you're away from home. Some ideas to support those activities are change for the vending machine, okay? Hopefully you have brought a healthy snack or have a healthy lunch option or dinner option, but if you don't and you're super hungry, you don't want to stop what you're doing to go get food when you really just might need a little snack. And sometimes vending machines will have healthier options, like maybe get a kind bar or something like that. But have some change for the vending machine. You know, you can get a coffee, you can get something to drink, etc. Have some kind of non-perishable snack, okay? That would actually be preferred over vending machine food, but I get it. Sometimes you might need a little bit of both. So almonds, bars. I love the dried mango. A little goes a long way. It's very calorically dense, but sometimes just one piece of that and a few little raw almonds or raw cashews is a great little snack and I'll get me over the hump. Some jerky. I personally really love the uh, jerky made out of mushrooms, which I realize sounds really weird when I say it, but it's a plant-based jerky, but There's all kinds of options out there for that as well. The idea is something non-perishable that you can have in your bag and it's there. And if you get the hungries, you have something to reach for so that you don't interrupt your study session. And you want your brain to be able to function because your brain's going to operate on that glucose, right? Okay, water bottle, change or an access card if you need to make a photocopy. You also want to have your pens, highlighters, 
Sharpie if you need it, and pencils. I hope that you're using a pencil in your planner because otherwise it's probably a bit of a mess. Have your binder clips or some paper clips, and maybe not those huge binder clips, but those little ones. You know, if you need to put 10 pieces of paper together, a staple may or may not hold all of that. A paper clip probably isn't. Those little binder clips do a really good job of holding things together really well if you need to turn in a bigger project. I always like to have a little tiny stapler, like the mini stapler and a three-hole punch. Not the great big one. They make ones that are pretty small, and they only do one, maybe two sheets at a time, and you can even clip them into a three-ring binder. A staple remover will come in so handy, and then your daily binder, if you're following the system that I teach you in boot camp or the Thrive Guide, page flags, page tabs, a tablet if you're taking notes on your tablet, and of course your charger for that, your laptop if you're using that, charges for that, charger for your phone, and then any books that you need. So that is kind of in general what I would have in my mobile office. So that's why I recommend a rolling backpack so that you can put all these things in there, have the things that you need. I would also add to that some earbuds, definitely so that you can watch videos without disturbing anybody around you. So a rolling backpack is going to be really, really nice to have. And then tip number nine, what to carry in clinical. So students are often asking what they should have on their person at clinical. So first, make sure that your school or the unit that you're at clinical on doesn't have any policies about this. And if they do, you want to follow their policies. Their, your school may say no fanny packs or don't carry anything in your pockets. There could be some rules like that. So unless your school has a policy, then the things that I suggest carrying are a few alcohol swabs. You will use these constantly, and it's nice to have them close at hand. I like to use end caps when I disconnect IV tubing. You may hear them called dead enders. Basically, you disconnect the IV tubing and you need something to put on the end of that tubing to keep it sterile. You'll see a lot of times that nurses will just connect it back on the port on that tubing. And please don't do that. Chances are they haven't sterilized that with alcohol. That's filthy and, in my opinion, kind of lazy practice. So get some end caps. Hemostats and scissors really come in handy. Utility scissors is what I use. You could use trauma shears if you're in the ER and you're going to be working trauma cases. But I just use a little pair of utility scissors. They're maybe like the blade parts, maybe three or four inches long. They're not huge. I honestly mostly use them to open the plastic bags that the IV fluids come in. So the IV fluids will come packaged in another plastic bag that's really thick and really hard to open, and I use my scissors for that all the time. And then hemostats, I use those mostly for undoing IV tubing that someone has wrenched together with superhuman strength. Um, I've used those plenty of times to get that IV tubing apart. So hemostats and scissors really come in handy. There's other uses for them, but that's like what I do the most of the time. 
You want to have pens and a Sharpie. I love the little mini Sharpies that you can attach to your badge holder. Those are fantastic. Use those all the time for labeling things. And I would carry a small notepad in clinical to jot down those little pearls of wisdom that you learn throughout the day, or if for some reason you're not able to chart something right then, and maybe it doesn't fit on your brain sheet, you can write it down in your little small notepad. And then of course, your stethoscope. So that's what I would suggest a student have on hand in clinical. You know, of course, you're going to have all your clinical prep work done if your school requires that. Taking a drug guide to clinical doesn't really make sense because there's going to be a drug guide on the computer that your hospital uses. So really, if you have those things, you're probably going to be pretty efficient in clinical. And then the number 10 tip for new nursing students is give yourself some grace. I want to remind you that becoming a nurse is a massive transformation. It does not happen overnight. And there will be times when you stumble as you go, and that's okay. As long as you are getting back up after every stumble and you're learning from each and every mistake, no matter how big or how small, then you are growing, you are transforming, you are becoming. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep asking questions. Keep seeking answers. Keep moving ahead one assignment, one care plan, one exam at a time. And before you know it, you'll be there. You'll be a nurse. So those are my top 10 tips for the new nursing student. I hope that helps you feel a little more prepared for what's to come, maybe a little bit inspired and like, yeah, I can do this because I totally believe that you can. So join me next week on the podcast. And again, if you subscribe or follow the podcast, the episodes will magically show up for you. Next week, we're going to be talking about anorexia, which is a really big topic, something that you'll need to learn for your mental health class. So I will see you back here next week for that. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing. 